Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know what the number one fear most humans have? Is anybody know what that is? What's the number one fear that most humans have? It's not butterflies. I saw that this week. I guess some people are really scared of butterflies. It's not spiders. What do you think is the number one fear that most humans have? Death. Okay. Well, I, I, okay. That's the number two fear. Okay. What do you think is the number two fear? Yeah, we're all afraid of dying. Getting old, okay, well, that's that's not it. Being alone, that's it right there, loneliness. We all have a fear of loneliness. Even if you're married, you have a fear of loneliness. Have you ever been in a house by yourself? All the kids are away, the family's away, and it's just you in the house? Do you ever get creeped out? Why? We don't like being alone. Because, here's the reason why. We are, by nature, relational beings. Do you understand what I'm saying? We are, by nature, relational beings. We need to be with other people. We need to sense the presence of others in our lives. I'm going to be honest with you folks. We were created that way. Not so much because of the relationship with other human beings, although that's a part of it, but ultimately we were created to have a relationship with God. The living God. We see that all the way back in the beginning in Genesis. In the garden. He met with them and walked with them in the cool of the garden. That's what was awesome. That's what was lost through the fall. And there's this hole within us that longs for and needs to have God's presence near us. There's a longing for us to be with Him. Many of us don't understand that. We try to fill that with other things. But we don't like being alone. And what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks is we're going to learn about what I call the forgotten one. We're going to study the scripture and learn about how there was a promise that was given to us that, well, let me put it this way. How many of you would be excited if you could have Jesus hang out with you every day? Would you be excited about that? I mean, Jesus would say, hey, I'm going to hang out with you from now on. You'd be excited about that because you'd be like, I ain't got to worry about a thing. Jesus is with me. You know what I'm saying? He'll take care of it. He can calm the seas. He can feed the 5,000. He just needs to feed me. You know? I mean, you'd be all right about that. But you know what? Here's what Jesus said. He said, I'm going away. Where I go, you can't go right now. But I'm sending another helper. I'm sending someone else just like me, which is, my friends, the Holy Spirit. That was the promise that was given. So what we're going to do is we're going to embark on a journey over these next couple months to see exactly what the Scriptures say to us about the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, as we begin this study, I've got to first talk about two extremes. Because the problem is, is when we talk about the Holy Spirit, there are two extremes out there concerning Him in Christendom today. Two extremes. And we're going to talk about that because... And we're going to talk about the impact of that on church and on you and I. 
Okay? And, and in a church like ours, where we are, we're non-denominational, and so we have a lot of folks here from different backgrounds. We have folks here who've come from Baptist background. We have folks who've come from charismatic backgrounds. We have folks here from Methodist backgrounds or whatever. Catholic backgrounds. There's a whole lot of different perspectives here on what the Holy Spirit is or who the Holy Spirit and what He does. But, and a lot of times they fall into two extremes. And what we want to do is acknowledge what those extremes are and decide that we're not going to be in either one of those camps, but what we're going to do is to try to be biblical. What does the Bible say? Okay? So the first one is this. There are some who are experience-oriented. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, there are some who view the Holy Spirit in reference to, and I'll give you the, understand, I'm going to give you a generalized feeling. This is not true of everyone. But we see the extremes that are out there. I've seen the extremes. You've seen the extremes. Where the Holy Spirit is reduced down to an experience. Where the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life is that He's like a power source, so to speak. Where you experience things. I remember years ago... And, and saw some interesting things like laughter and so forth at the most inopportune moments, which almost was more, not the Holy Spirit, but almost demonic. But yet credit was given to the Holy Spirit for what was happening. But the problem was is that it was all experience-oriented. And even when hearing people talking about the testimonies, I remember a guy getting up and he's talking about how he wanted the Holy Spirit and he was talking about wanting the Holy Spirit like the experience was like a drug addict wanting his next fix. That's experience-oriented. That's an extreme. That's out there. I'm not saying they're all like that. I'm saying they're out there like that. That's an extreme. Where it's like the experience is the thing to have. That's one extreme. There's another extreme. This is where a lot of you are at. There are some who downplay his role. We almost ignore it. We not only just downplay it, we just flat out forget about him. Why? Because we're scared. We're afraid that if we even talk about the Holy Spirit, then we're going to be like the people who are experience-oriented. And we don't want to be like that. So we don't talk about Him at all. We don't talk about what He can do today. In fact, we've developed, here's the thing, when you downplay it, we've developed whole theologies today. Listen to me. Whole theologies today to try to explain why what the experience-oriented folks are doing is wrong. And we've developed whole theologies today as to why God can't act a certain way anymore. And we've got nice theological terms to describe that. So we got those who, there are some who are experience-oriented, and then there are some who are, who just plain downplay his role. Now, here's the bottom line with these two extremes. Both function with an incomplete understanding. Both function with an incomplete understanding. Yes, the Holy Spirit is powerful. But, my folks, he's not a power source. He's a person. He's God. Do you understand? He's the third person of the Trinity. Yes, there are times where he has manifested himself in the Scriptures in powerful ways and in spectacular ways. But he's also the, the one who comes to you quietly and speaks to you in the stillness of, in, in the stillness of your heart with a still, small voice. But you've got to understand that. You've got to understand what his role is and what he does in your life. He does have a role. We can't downplay him and say, oh, well, we've got to, it's not for today. 
Well, if that's true, then we could just rip out chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16 of the Gospel of John, where he very clearly tells us what his role is in our life. In fact, if if the Holy Spirit doesn't have a role for us today, we might as well rip out Ephesians chapter 1, where Paul tells us that he's our guarantee. What's that mean? We ever had a lifetime guarantee on something? Well, he's our guarantee for our salvation. Our seal. So if we're going to downplay him, man, I must, might as well downplay my whole salvation there. Because isn't he, let's be honest, the scripture tells us he's the instrument of salvation. He's the one who enters into your life when you get saved. So you see how important he is? If we're going to operate from one extreme or another, so let's say we've got one extreme over here, the other extreme over here, and here's what we like to do. We like to swing from one thing to another. You know, you ever notice that? You, are you like that? Where you, you don't want to do something... Like, you don't want to be in one ditch, so what you do is you swing over to the other ditch. But here's what we want to do. We want to be right in the middle. Because right in the middle is what the Bible says. And so what we're going to do is if we're going to embark on a journey, we're going to talk about the forgotten one. We're going to talk about his importance in your life and in my life. We're going to understand the Holy Spirit over the next couple of weeks. And I want to go to Exodus chapter 33. It's not even about the Holy Spirit, what we're going to read here today. It's going to be talking about God, Moses' interaction with God, and about Moses' desire and the promise that God gives to Moses. Because the very thing that's happening in this passage, we see throughout the Scripture being reiterated through the Scripture, especially in the New Testament, And the promise being fulfilled for you and I in the church today through the person of the Holy Spirit. Through the person of the Holy Spirit. So let's look today. We're going to look at Exodus chapter 33, verse 12 through 23. Now here's the setting. Moses is up on the mountain. He's up on the mountain of God. He's meeting face to face with God. And he's making a request of God. And God responds to that. So let's look at what he had, what we see here. Look with me, verse 12. Actually, go back to verse 11. Let's go up one. So the Lord, listen to this, spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his camp. And when he returned to camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Look at verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people. You have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except that you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I also do this thing that you have spoken. For you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, this is Moses speaking, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. 
And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here is the place by me that you shall stand on the rock. And it shall be that while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand while I pass by. And then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to see, we can basically take down this passage and break it into two sections. We're going to see, first of all, the desire. This is the desire that Moses has. And then we're going to see the promise. This is the promise that God has. Now you're saying, okay, George, we're going to be studying the Holy Spirit, but you're talking about Moses and God here. What's this got to do with us? Well, here's what I want you to see. As we begin to study the Holy Spirit, I want you to go back and see that, first of all, there's a desire that's within every one of us for God to do something in our lives. We see it here in Moses' life. But we're going to see that God gives Moses a promise that, okay, particular to his situation, but that we see also fulfilled many times through the New Testament in our lives through the person of the Holy Spirit. So what we see is the desire that we have through Moses... And we see God answering him, which he answers us through the Holy Spirit. So let's look at it together. First thing I want you to see is this, the desire. First thing Moses does is this. He's saying, God, your presence has got to go with us. If your presence doesn't go with us, we're not going to leave this place. What place is that? They're in Sinai. They're getting ready to take by battle Canaan. And he's saying, if you're not going to go with us, God, then we're not going without you. Here's what the desire is. Recognize that we can't go it alone recognize that we can't go it alone. See, this is the big thing you've got to understand in your Christian life. This is why he's the forgotten one. Because we're under the assumption, and we operate under the assumption, that it's us who've got to live the Christian life, us and ourselves alone. Maybe we get help from somebody else that, that maybe can give us some good advice. But typically, when it comes to you living a Christian life, the assumption in church is, is that you've got to go it alone. But that's not true. In fact, if you're operating on that assumption, let me just go ahead and tell you this right now. You are going to fail. If you're going to go it alone, as far as living the life that God wants you to live, the bottom line is, can I just say it to you? You're going to fail. You're going to continue in your struggle. It's not going to get better. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to find that everything that you try to do as far as the Christian life isn't going to happen. Period. Why? Because you can't go it alone. You weren't meant to go it alone. You weren't created to go it alone. And you need to recognize that. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, and you've placed your trust and faith in Him, and that's your hope for the future, You need to recognize that you cannot live the way that he wants you to live by yourself. In fact, isn't that what Jesus said? Jesus said this in John chapter 15, I think it's verse 5. I am the bride, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, the same will bring forth what? Much fruit. For without me, what does he say? You can do nothing. But to live the life that he wants you to live, you can't live it on your own. You can't go it alone. And see, this is what Moses is saying. He's saying, Lord, you want us to go and take Canaan, but if you want us to take Canaan, your presence has to go with us, because if your presence isn't there, we can't do it, Lord. See, that's where some of you need to be. 
Some of you need to get to the place where you realize, you know what, Lord, if I don't have you in my life, if I don't have your presence with me, if I don't have your spirit guiding me day by day, I can't do it. I can't get through this crisis. I can't get through this situation. We've got to quit being so self-sufficient. We've got to rely upon him. Here's the other thing we notice here. Here's the other part of the desire that I want you to see. We are helpless without him. Moses says, we're nothing, Lord, without you. Nothing. We've got to come to the place of recognizing that without Jesus, we're helpless. We have no hope. Without his Holy Spirit guiding us through our lives, we are helpless. So it's in the midst of this desire of Moses, which, can I be honest with you? These are the two desires Moses had right there in an interaction with God. Aren't those the same desires that we have? We recognize we can't go it alone, that we're helpless without him. The desire is, is we need you, Jesus. We need your presence right here with us. Because remember when I said, wouldn't you be happy if Jesus could hang out with you all day long? Why, why would you be happy? Because you're just like, hey, I got Jesus with me. I ain't got to worry about nothing. Because he'll take care of it. But he's not with us, is he? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. But he said he would send someone else. Why? Because he knows we have a need for his presence. And so that's the promise that we see that God's giving, giving Moses here. And we see it so many times over in the New Testament. Look here, a couple of things we can see here. Here's the promise. God says to him, look at verse 14. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Here's the first thing. God will not leave us alone. Over and over throughout the Old Testament, all the way into the New Testament. Even when you go as far as Revelation chapter 20 and 21, when you get to the future, way in the future, folks, when Jesus has come back, the Millennium Kingdom has, has been reigned over, and, and it's at the very end, and there's a new heaven and a new Jerusalem. In the very last, Scripture tells us very clearly that God will dwell with us. His presence will be with us. What's the issue? God's not going to leave you alone. Period. He says to the disciples in the upper room, Guys, I'm going away. One of you is going to betray me. They're going to crucify me. But here's the thing. I'm going to go away. I'll be back. But in the meantime, while I'm away, I'm going to send to you another helper. The Spirit of Truth. He's going to guide you. He's going to help you in your life. What's going on there? God made a promise to us, folks. He will not leave us alone. Do you realize that? I told you that's the number one fear that we have, isn't it? To be alone. But the problem is, is that for most of us in our Christian life, we go day in, day out. What's going on? After we leave here, we're going to have supper. Might take a power nap or whatever. You're going to watch the game or something. Tomorrow morning, for those of you who are at work, you're going to get up in the morning, drink your coffee, get your shower, and head to work and have a wonderful day at work, right? Probably not. Then you're going to come home. Get your mail, and it's going to be the same old bills and stuff. And throughout the normal course of whatever that goes on in your life, it'll never enter our minds that we are not alone, that there's somebody with us, that God himself is with us, because God will not leave us alone. That's an interesting promise, isn't it? That's the promise. Here's the other thing he says to him. Here's the second thing God says to Moses. He personally knows us. Look at verse 17. And the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. He says to Moses, Moses, you found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. 
It's a pretty powerful thing. You say, well, that's just for Moses. No, it isn't. It's in the New Testament. First of all, if you're, if you're saved here, you can already go ahead and say to yourself, I have found grace in God's sight. You understand that? If you have been forgiven of your sins, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ for your salvation alone, He alone for it, you have found grace in His sight. Well, does He know me by name? Yeah. Yeah, He knows you by name. How do you know that, George? Well, if you go all the way over to Acts, we don't need to turn there, but there's a story of the sons of Sceva who were Jewish exorcists who, in Ephesus at the time, decided to go and cast a demon out of a fella. Now, they didn't believe in Jesus. They didn't believe in Paul's message. But here they are. They're trying to cast this demon out of this fellow in the name of Jesus and the name of Paul. And the demons speak back to them. That would be pretty freaky, wouldn't it? And they say, Jesus we know. Of course they would. He's God. They also say, and Paul we know. Because he belonged to God. But here's what they said to those dudes. Who are you? And then they whooped the tar out of them. Did you know what I'm saying? I mean, the point is, is that God knows who his children are. He knows you by name. Do you realize that? He knows you by name. In fact, the scripture tells us, go over to Revelation, that he's going to give you a new name. So he's going to give you a new name. He should know what your old one is, right? What is he saying here? He personally knows us. He promises what? Not to leave us alone. He also tells us, man, you found grace in my sight. I know you by name. You don't have to go to him in prayer and say, it's me, Lord, George. No. He knows you. This is the promise of a personal God who cares about you. He promises. And then notice what you see there. But here's what he says. Because here's what, it's interesting what Moses is asking. I mean, you've got to be pretty bold. Moses was bold. But you've got to think, wow, what a, what, a, what a request. He says to God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Show me who you are. That's a pretty bold request, guys. And you know what's even, what's even more wonderful? God says, okay, but I'm not going to show you everything because nobody can see everything. I'm just going to show you my backside. You can't see me face to face, but I'll just give you a glimpse of who I am from behind. Wow. What's the point here? Here's the promise. God reveals himself partially to us. And I'm going to be honest with you. It is a scary thing for a preacher, pastor, to take two months to teach on the Holy Spirit. Why is that scary, George? I'll tell you why. Because I'm going to teach about God for two months. And right here in this passage, it's already telling you, you're not going to know everything about him. And it's an undertaking to try to convey to you what the teaching of the Scripture is concerning the Holy Spirit. Because He's only going to reveal to us what we need to know, which is through the Scriptures. And it's only going to be partial. There's a lot of things you don't know. And I'll be honest with you, we don't know everything about God. That's what eternity exists for, to know God. So the promise is is that God says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I know you personally. But I'm only going to reveal myself to you partially. That's why we're embarking on this journey, folks. It's to know the one who is right with you right now. Do you realize that? You know, do you realize that if the Holy Spirit dwells within you, God himself is within you? We're going to talk about what the Holy Spirit 
does. So where are we going to start next week, George? Here's where we're going to start. Next week we're going to go to John and see what Jesus said about him. Because he's the one who promised that he would come. We'll see what Jesus said. So you say, okay, George, okay. I'm not alone. And he has been forgotten in my life. So what do we do with this? Well, here's a couple things as we close. Number one, do you see your need for his presence? Do you see his, your need for his presence in your life? Because I'll be honest with you, the whole study is meaningless if you don't see the need. The whole reason for even looking at this is totally gone if you don't sense your need for the presence of God in your life day by day because you recognize you can't go it alone and you're helpless without Him. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you're not at that point of recognizing that you can't go it alone and that you're helpless without Him, then this study is meaningless. The whole concept of the Holy Spirit is meaningless. His presence in your life is meaningless. Do you see your need for His presence in your life? Folks, we've got to be there. Where We've got to recognize, Lord, without Your presence in our life, without Your presence in our church, it's meaningless. So do you, do you see your need for His presence in your life? God in your life. Here's the other thing. What is your understanding of the Holy Spirit? What is your understanding of the Holy Spirit? To be very honest with you, probably for most of you, it is very limited. How can you say that, George? Well, I've been pastoring a long time. I've dealt with a lot of people. I know how we are. I'm human too. And the reality is, is we downplay him. Or maybe you were at the other place where you're experience-oriented, and all you see at the Holy Spirit is just another experience. Can I be honest with you? Whatever extreme you're in, of one or the other or the I don't care, you are missing out. You are missing out because you've only got a partial understanding or no understanding. There's something so much more. There's something so much more. Because you're talking about a person, a relational being who wants to have a relationship with you, who will speak to you, who will guide you, who will convict you of what's wrong. In fact, so relational is it that you have with the Holy Spirit that Paul will say things like this, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. What do you mean grieve? Well, we've got parents here. You ever been grieved by what your children have done? Have you ever grieved your parents? Your relationship with him is such that when you do something and it's wrong, you break his heart, so to speak. See, But the problem is, is for most of us, we just operate day by day without any understanding, any clue about what he is to our lives. And see, that's what we're going to do. We're going to embark on a journey, folks, over the next couple months to see what the Scripture says. Now, why are we doing this? Because I think it's crucial for where we're at as a church right now. I think it's crucial for where you're at as an individual and your walk and desire for Jesus. Because I already told you, you can't do it on your own. So we need to study the Scriptures. Which brings me to our action point. So this is what I want you to do this week. It's a prayer item. Here's what I want you to pray for your life. Ask God to reveal His Spirit in your life. Ask God to reveal His Spirit in your life. Now, some of you, those of you who maybe downplay it, will be like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that, George, because what if, can I be honest with you, you don't need to worry about it. 
In fact, I would tell you that's an lie of the enemy to keep you from exploring what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. You need to ask God to reveal His presence, His purpose, who He is in your life. Do that this week. Next week, we'll look at what the promise is. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.